A wonderful morning out there. Welcome to another live broadcast. My name is Isa Phillips Akintola. This is another beautiful day. Heaven has granted us grace and opportunity to be part of. Want to welcome you this morning. Let's come together. Let's join hands together as we enter into the presence of God this morning and continue in our worship and expression of love to him and of course as he begins to teach us what it means to live in days and times like this I want to special especially welcome everyone joining us thank you so much our brother Derek for joining this morning and any other person this morning who are connecting with us wherever you're connecting from it's an honor and a pleasure and of course a great uh, a privilege to be here this morning once again to share life with you and to be part of that which the Spirit of God is doing in your space. This morning, by the grace of God, we are going to continue to look into what the Spirit of God is emphasizing for this brand new day. There are several streams, there are several release, several uh, um, impartation that is coming from the from the throne of God regarding the you know the church and the body of Christ in the nations. And as the Spirit of God leads us, we will focus on the area that He wants us to look into uh, for a few weeks now he's been emphasizing on the concept of of his love returning back to his church and i think that is something we are going to look into again yesterday we had such a blessed time looking into uh, um, mary magdalene and the and the rest of uh, the disciples peter and the rest but this morning again we're going to continue but before we do that let's 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 come before god this morning let us offer our hearts and let's hear his voice. Let, 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 let's allow the Holy Spirit to set the tone for us and grant us entrance into the desire of the Father. Father, we honor you this morning. We have come once again, O oh God. We offer our soul, we offer our minds, our thoughts. You've found it, yes, worthy to wake us up again, to give us life, to breathe in us. Lord, we do not take this for granted. We recognize your love and grace and mercy and truth, even in our hearts, in our lives. Thank you, Father, for doing a new thing in our, in our lives. But more so, thank you for speaking to us regarding your desire and purpose and, and move in the earth. Thank you, Lord, that your church is still very much alive and relevant to the activities of your intention, particularly in these days of the end. Yes, we thank you, Lord, that we can hear, we can listen. But also we are praying for the heart to respond. This is our desire this morning, once again. We don't just want to be hearers of the word only, deceiving ourselves without having the ability, the capacity, the tenacity, the passion to do. Lord, and we don't just want to do without the heart that is connected, without the right spirit, without the right state of heart. And so all of these things that you are highlighting and emphasizing, we want to come to that position of divine convergence. We want to come to that place of divine synergy, the synergies of your emphasis and, and, and demand for our, our time. We want to be a church that is truly, yes, reflecting the nature of a son yet 
we are your bride. We want to understand the two, the two flow, the, the, the two streams, oh God, of your speaking for us, to us in this new day. We don't want our hearts to begin to journey from afar. We want to come closer. We want to come nearer to you. And so we pray this morning once again, touch our heart. Yes, you're doing a work in our hearts. We know that something is broken, is shattered, is, is removed. Yes. But we thank you, Lord, that as you continue to speak to us, we will understand your demand and how to realign. And you will give us the grace. In fact, you've given us the grace is for us to, to accept it. And so, Father, this morning, as you speak to us, we want to accept how to live particularly in this last day, in such a way, Lord, that pleases you, that we will not dance to the tune of the enemy, that we will not succumb to the lie, yes, of the evil one, that we will not be pressurized, O oh God, to compromise our stand. And so, Father, we thank you once again this day. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for everyone that will be listening and watching, O oh God, this broadcast. We pray in the name of Jesus that we will all be awakened. Yes, it's a prayer that we will be alive, that we will make our journey again, yes, to that place of your good pleasure. That we will once again find the path that brings rest for our soul. That we will not go the way that seemeth right to us, but the end is destruction. So we thank you. That as you continue to speak and minister to us, that we will respond accordingly. Blessed be your name, Holy Spirit. Teach us. You are our teacher. You are the revealer of truth. You are the revealer of Christ. Show Christ to us. Help us to understand his heart and help us to receive. Help us to become more like him. Help us. Teach us, oh God, to abide, to remain, yes, in the vine. We thank you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Once again, I want to welcome you this morning to this live broadcast. We, we thank God for the way the Spirit of God has been speaking to us. There are various streams, like I said earlier before we began to pray. There are various you know, streams and channels, if you will, uh, by which the Lord is speaking to us in this period we have tagged coming out of the ark, all right? We believe that the Father has given us an opportunity, all right, to correct certain things. Uh, and we cannot correct what we are not aware of. We cannot change what we are not, you know, uh, uh, you know con con conversant of. We cannot, you know, make amendments of mistakes we feel are not there. And I feel this is the point that we need to, first of all, you know, look into. Of course, we cannot begin to go back and, and you know, if you will, highlight all the problems and, and the sins and the mistakes of the church. But we just need to, you know, look into our own self, look into our own space, look into, you know, our environment. We will see how colossal the, the mistakes that we have made, all right, is. And, and that begins to inform us because if we don't know what has been stolen, how do we begin to seek redress? If we don't know what, amen, we have lost, how do we begin to find if you don't know what we are seeking for, you know, you know, yesterday we were, we, were, we were looking at John 20. And one of the questions Jesus asked Mary Magdalene when he went, you know, after she turned and saw him, you know, is, woman, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? 
What are we? What is the church looking for? In fact, maybe I should go back to that scripture because you know the Lord is speaking. There are several things I like to highlight as the Lord deals with me because I believe that you know one of the one of the one of the mission, one of the you know. Uh, uh, if you will, the assignment, the mandate of, of a prophet, okay, is to is to bear the is to bear the heart of God, to bear the burdens of God. So basically, what you know a true prophet would do is that he he receives, he takes, all right, they, they show him the burdens of God and he's able to express that. So his message most of the time may not make sense to a lot of people. His messages are not always what people want to hear. It's not a popular thing because he ought to be speaking from how the father feels you know how you know the the lord feels in his heart and i want to believe that this is what i'm doing all right so my message is a generational message is a message to the body it's not it's not a message that is you know that is linked to or connected to one person of course it's going to affect one person because the church amen are made up of many members the church starts with one two three they say they say where two or three are gathered all right yes jesus is the one building his church this the church starts with one person before it becomes amen a corporate gathering so we have to individually take responsibility what i'm sharing all right is something that i also you know i'm taking responsibility of every one of us all right the church is not just built on on the mass it's not about the numbers like we always say but the number counts because jesus died for everyone and he wants every one of us to come to the knowledge amen of his father he wants us to reflect his intention so when we gather we gather as one who have individual you know experiential encounter with god so that when we come together that power of synergy produces something in the earth that shakes the bible says when they came together and pray the place shook you know it's not it's not their coming together that shook the place amen it's what they individually brought amen to that place of unity i, I, I hope i'm making sense i really want to if you will i was thinking about this this morning and say well this is what some people will call a revivalist message but i'm not a revivalist i'm not a i'm not a, but my, my 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 assignment is to awaken is to awaken myself as 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 the lord awakens me i want to awaken my world i want to awaken my generation i want to awaken the sleeping church that does not even understand that they are sleeping that's one of the things the lord said to me this morning some people have so missed it that they don't even think that they've missed it again when you get to the point where you no longer feel pain you no longer feel you know the need to change when you get to, when we get to the point where you know you, you, you know when you have a wound and that wound has become you know uh, uh, deadened you know I, I remember i used to have this you know scar you know you 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 you, you, you don't feel the pain again but you can still see the, the scar there but the pain you know it, it, that thing has been seared is dead the, the nerves they are dead I feel that way that some of us, you know, I, I remember some, yesterday reading some through some of the, you know, uh, comments people were making on some of the things I was posting yesterday about love and all of that. And, you know, I remember, the, you know, one of the sisters was talking about, yes, we need to love one another. I was talking about loving one another here. I'm not talking about the love we have for ourselves. I'm not first know what I'm talking about. You see, we, we church, we're too quick to jump into conclusion that we know what, what, what the Lord is saying. And this is the mistake we've been making for the past three decades. No, 
The love we have for ourselves is window dressing. That's the truth. Anybody can talk about, oh, I love this, I love that person. No, no, I'm not. I'm talking about encountering love himself. I'm talking about encountering God. When you encounter God, loving people will be so natural. How many of us find it difficult to love people? How many of us are struggling with our love life? You know, even with our own spouse, it's become a struggle, a struggle to love. You see, that's not what I'm talking about. We need to get the McCoy, the real thing, mass first of all, amen, be awakened. You know, we, we, we live in a day where we, we, we have learned to pretend. We, we, I can pretend to love you. It's, that's not what I'm talking about. They say you can give even yourself to be burnt if you don't have love. I mean, that scripture changed my life years ago. When I was reading that scripture in Corinthians, it said you, you can give yourself, you can give people everything and give, even give yourself. You mean I can give myself? Is that not what we do in marriage? That somebody says, I give myself to you. But still the scripture says there's no love there. I'm like, what, Lord, what are you talking about? He said, come wait, son. I am the factor of love. I am the heart of love. Whatever you claim you want to do or you're doing, even in marriage, that's why I was saying a few days ago, how can it be that people go into marriage, 90% of people go into marriage, they do it. Let's say the 10% do it for various purposes, you know, RNG, you know, you want to get certain things, okay, so you need to get married, or, you know, or maybe your family forced you, you know. Yeah, we have people like that, but I'm talking about People will look at themselves and say, oh, I love you, you love me, you know, I think we can live together. And then we go into that thing only to discover six months down the, down the road, you know, six years down the road, suddenly there's a change. It's like we don't love each other again. How do you define that? So we, we seem to, this, this idea, this, this, this thing called love seems to be eluding us. We seem not to have a revelation. You see, when something is a revelation, it becomes experiential because that's the purpose of revelation. You see it firsthand. They say the things we have seen, we have touched it. That's why it took our Lord Jesus after his resurrection to begin to teach about love. Have you noticed that? Love began from the day of his resurrection. He began, he began, he began to teach about love from the day of his resurrection. Mary Magdalene has opened the portal for us. That we can be following the Lord, amen, and still not love him. You see, his disciples were hidden somewhere where he told them that he will rise again on the third day. I would have assumed that they will be the first. In fact, I, I would have assumed that they will sleep at the tomb there. <laughs> But Mary Magdalene was so, she, at least she, she caught that thing and she was there. The Bible says she was there at the tomb early in the morning. You see, when, 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 you, when, you, when you truly love something, you see, the, the time, the, 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 the time or hour is no not, not longer an issue. You, 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 you call the person 2 a.m., 1 a.m. It, it's something that, that drives you. You are intoxicated. You, you know, when you love somebody, you, you lose your sense of coordination. We've lost love in the church and we don't even know that we've lost it. Because we have replaced that love for so many things. We've replaced it with, you know, giving. We've replaced it with, you know, blessing. We've replaced it with, you know, music and, and, and all kinds of things. And, and everything looks fine and looks okay. 
but the essence the main thing that ought to be what defines our gathering our activity our motivation is lost and it's so lost that we don't even know that it's lost again to me i think that is the most saddest thing that you lose something you don't even know they've lost it because somehow the enemy has been able to sneak in and give you an alternative you know as i think more about this and i'm saying to myself you know <clears throat> we're into all kinds of all kinds of teaching all kinds of you know programs we we <clears throat> excuse me we're into all sorts of excuse me but the motivation the motivation the reason the essence why we do what we do it's no longer for God. That is what it means. When you say you love God, your entire life is motivated to please him, to please him, to honor him. Your prayer is not just about to get something from him. Yes, we need to get something from him because he's our provider. But we don't just do that because we don't go to him because he's just a provider, but he's also a father. But beyond a father, he said, I am your lover. I mean, an entire book was written just to express the love of God and how the church ought to love God. I mean, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, excuse me, the, the books of Songs of Solomon, oh, Ecclesiastes speaks about how to understand life. Songs of Solomon speaks about how to understand the love of God and how we must reciprocate to that love. You know, is a is a is a is a is a is a material of two lovers. This is about the church, and God and Christ Himself. When last do you hear people talk about that? <clears throat> Excuse me. Something has died within the heart. This is what the Lord, you know, dropped in my spirit this this morning. Something died in the heart of the ecclesia almost two three decades ago. That have made all our apostolic reform, reform teaching and prophetic engagement looks like a child's play. Something in our heart, something within the core of the church died. Now all of the, all of the things that we're doing, the books we're writing... You know, the, the self-management book, all of these things that we're doing, how to prosper, how to, you know, get this thing right, how to build the fastest growing church, how to, you know, win the world, how to do all of the, all of those things are remedial. We, we're trying to just, you know, resuscitate. It's, it's like this thing or is in ICU. You know, it's like the church, the body is in an ICU. And, you know, and they've got all kinds of gadgets. They've got all kinds of gadgets, you know, and, and trying to, you know, shock the body just to wake the body again. They, they're doing everything, you know. You, you've, you've got ventilators there. You've got all kinds of things. That you've got, you know, the ones pumping the body with all kinds of things. We're doing all kinds of things just to keep this thing alive. But the body, this thing is dead. It's dead. You can see. It's dead. Is dead and only him can breathe his life into this thing again it was Job who says the breath of God has given me life 
It was God who sustained, amen, our life where his love. When he breathed in man in the beginning, he said, let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness. Whatever brought you into creation is what sustains you in the journey of life. If love, if love is what brought you into this world, you better believe it. It is love that will sustain you. All of these teachings that we're doing ought to be factored, ought to be the branch of our heart that expresses the love of God. You see, this is not a new message, but yet it's new because we have even forgotten. You see, when, when we talk about love, we, we begin to look at ourselves. Who says it's about ourselves? We don't even know how to love ourselves again. We don't know. We cheat on each other. We lie on each other. We take advantage on, on, on each other. If somebody has something that you know you 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 need, you find a way of wangling yourself to get that thing from that person. Right? Even, even, even without caring if that person has a need of it. So we're forever, ever taking things from each other. And I'm not just talking about material things now. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm not just talking about material things. If, if you have, you know, a little revelation, instead of you to come direct to me and say, hey, can you share the, no, 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 no. You rather go behind me and try to, you know, outdo me and outplay me. We've become like Jacob. We have, we have no, we have no more sense of, of love and passion for our own brother. No, we, look at, look at, look at Jacob's mom. Look at Jacob's mom forced the son, amen, to you know to, to play a prank on, on, on her husband. No, you say you no, you go to the father, tell him that you're Esau. The fall has really damaged us to you know to, to a degree that we don't even know that we are falling. If you don't know that you are falling, how do you seek to rise up? That's the dilemma I'm facing with in the body of Christ. Because everybody now, everybody's talking about the next move. There is no next move without returning back to love. Because everything God does, he does through his love. He walks through his love. I told you, even judgment, amen, he judges in love. This area of our life ought to bring us back isn't that's what i'm trying to do i'm trying to awaken us to a realization it's the bible says and 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 after you know after you know adam ate the fruits his eyes opened then he realized he was naked <laughs> after he ate the fruit Unfortunately, we've ate the fruit, but we, we, we still do not realize that we are naked. You know, it, it's like this church has no shame. At least for Adam, he went to hide. We are not even hiding. Have you seen how we're carrying on? <laughs> we, 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 we become a accustomed to this thing that is not working and it's become our way of life you know like I, I can't stop using that woman at the well just looking for another shot just looking for another gig 
just looking for another stirring up. He's just looking for another excitement. He's just looking for God knows what, another conference, another you know ministry. God knows what. You see, we 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 keep changing our clothes. We keep changing, you know, our nothing seems to satisfy us because nothing can satisfy us. If Jesus had not encountered that woman at the well, she would have gone. <laughs> she would have gone for another man. That's a story about us. That's not just some Samaritan woman. That's us. That's the church. Where you have the other side, you know, the Jews who are saying, we have nothing to do with this Samaritan. That's a religious spirit out there. But the ones who claim, yes, we, 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 we are free. We have the gift. We, have, we love God. <laughs> we're playing. We're joking. We're joking. I said I was going to read John uh, uh, 20 again, but let me start with, if you, if you don't mind, let me start with this scripture in Jeremiah 4. Let's start from verse 3. Jeremiah chapter 4. Let's start from verse 3 and we'll take it to verse 4. For this is what the Lord says to the men of Judah and Jerusalem. You know, whenever God wants to move in a nation... He begins to deal with men. And of course, he deals with leadership. And I'm not just saying that all men are leader, but I'm just saying that is the pattern of the spirit. All right. Men by design, all right, are, 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 are wired to lead their home because men are, 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 are givers of seed. Right? They must watch over the seed. Right? Yes, they give us of seed. But the woman carries a seed. So that's why you know a man cannot do it alone. But the man must understand that he has a he has a role in shaping in shaping the destiny, the life, amen, of his of his immediate home. Of course, the immediate home, amen, makes you know the 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 the, 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 the larger family. The family makes amen the community. All right. So if every man, that's the pattern of God. And you see what the devil is trying to do: destroy the man, you destroy the home, you destroy the home, you destroy amen the family, you destroy the family. You destroy the community. You destroy the community. You destroy the nation. That is his plan. His plan has not changed. All right. That's what he did in the garden. That plan has not changed. So we also need to understand that when God wants to restore a nation, if God wants to restore a people, he starts with the man. This is not about the issue of you know ego and you know uh, 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 whatever they you know these people are calling it you know. <laughs> This is not, you know, a patriarchal, you know, ideology. There's a, there's a false ideology that people have out there about, you know, about the patriarchs. We've got to understand that God does his thing in accordance to divine order and pattern. God, God, God doesn't just do things, you know. He just scatter things. No, he's got a pattern. If something happened, all right, he, he must find somebody to hold accountable. When he came to the garden, hallelujah, the first thing he did, Adam, where are you? He didn't say Adam and Eve. He said, Adam, where are you? Because Adam was the one he placed in, the ch in charge in the garden. That pattern has not changed. All right? To a million years, the pattern will not change. We've got to understand that. All right? There is no struggle between the man and the woman in terms of their assignment and purpose. Everybody must just understand where they've been called and function there. All right? We just need to understand that. And like I said, leadership is not about portfolio. Leadership is about a divine assignment committed to us, amen. When God brought us into this world, everyone, amen, came after their own order. 
That's the pattern of God. God is a God of order. Amen. There is a priesthood after the order. Amen. Of, of you know, of, 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 of the Levite. Yes. The Aaronic priesthood. There's an order after that. Amen. There was a priesthood, amen, in, in the wilderness that we are not even told of. Then there's a priesthood, amen, after the order of Melchizedek. Today, there is a priesthood that we are, that, that we are connected to, amen, the priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. So, for, in case for, for, for those who think, amen, Melchizedek is the final priesthood, no, there's a priesthood in Christ Jesus. And that priesthood of Melchizedek mirrors the priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you can't talk about the Melchizedek priesthood if you don't understand the priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And the, 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 reason, the reason why I'm talking about this is because men by design are, are, are called to be priests. They're priests because everything that God designed man, the structure of man, amen, is supposed to stand, amen, and protect and, and, and pray and stand in between, amen, and, and bring forth the mind of God into his home, into his community, amen. That's the pattern. And the pattern has not changed. The devil also understands the pattern. So when he wants to destroy a people, amen, he, 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 gets, he gets somebody in a family, particularly the man, amen, and he changes their values. Amen. He's still a priest. But the priesthood now is ushering in something, something else, another spirit, and you know, another reality. Yes, the devil would do everything, all right, and get the wrong man, amen, in, in, in leadership, in politics, all right, so that he can, he can pollute the entire generation. We've got to understand this. So even the area of politics and all of that, let's not fold our hands and say, well, well, it doesn't matter. It does matter because if you don't have the right person there, you will have the wrong person there. And that person, based on his priesthood, every leader is a priest, amen, every leader is a priest because you usher in something you usher in a spirit you bring you bring an atmosphere to your workplace when, when they give you a position of leadership amen they have given you a position of priesthood and if you're not careful amen you will bring in the wrong spirits that's why somebody that is very effective in the workplace after a while the person feels tired because your priesthood amen is not it's not aligning it's not it's not encouraging it's not bringing forth amen life and and vitality so people resign because you're a wrong person but you're a priest because you've got authority but that's not where i'm going but that's something i felt the lord want us to hear quickly i want us to look at this uh, jeremiah 4 the bible says this is what the Lord says, amen, to the men of Judah and Jerusalem. Break up your unplowed ground. Break, break your unplowed ground. You know, before you sow a seed, you know, if you are into farming and you understand those who are into the, the, the idea of farming, all right? Okay, you've got to, if, if, if you're ready to plant, okay, you've got to, first of all, loosen the soil. You've got to prepare the soil to receive the seed, They call it plowing, all right? God said, he said to, to, to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, he said, break up your unplowed ground. You know, you've got to break it up. They are too hard. <laughs> that seemed to be, amen, the state of the church today. What, 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 what led the ground to become so hard? If you plant any seed on that ground, it's not going to germinate. It's not going to germinate. It's never going to produce no fruit. That seed will just lie fallow there. The ground will not receive it because the ground has not been prepared. It's a break. God said to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among thorns. 
You know what you do when you sow among thorns? They choke the life from the seed. They kill the seed. Don't sow. There's a lot of things we're sowing. We're sowing a vision, big vision into the heart of people that their heart have become seared. We're sowing, amen, you know, you know, the things of God among thorns, see, that they cannot receive. No matter, no matter what you do, amen, they have no sense of respond. It's getting a bit hot now. They have no sense of respond. It's a break. Break your fallow ground. That's what King James would say. Break up your fallow ground. <clears throat> break it up. Break it up. What am I saying? <laughs> there is a need for circumcision of heart. Circumcision opens the first skin. It gives way, amen, for something to be felt. See, when, when you live in a dimension of a life that you no longer feel the things of God, you, you no, you're no longer moved, you've lost compassion. You've lost passion. You've lost zeal. The heart needs circumcision. Not, not another apostolic message. <laughs> not another prophetic message. Not prophetic conference. No. The heart needs to be circumcised. When you've lost the holy zeal of God. When, you, when you've lost the, the, the passion. When you've, when you've lost the fire of God. These are the things that are associated to how God responds to men. If God is ever going to respond to people who are supposed to be his representative of, on earth, they must have his holy zeal. They must have his fire. They must, they must have compassion. Of course, they must have passion. When you've lost these things, it's hard pressed for God to, to, you know, to enter into such a space. And to have those things, there are certain things you've got to do and maintain doing. The Bible says that Samson did not know that the Lord has left him. Remember the series of teaching we did? God has been speaking to us. That, that series of teaching we did on Samson is enough to awaken the church, the body of Christ. But you see, it's just another message. You know, it's like we just come online and shop for a message. All right, okay, let's listen to what this Isaiah say. Tomorrow we'll go listen to somebody else. Tomorrow. <laughs> we are so used to hearing the things of God, but those things never move us again. Like I said, this is a message to the church, to the body of Christ, to a generation. We have to wake up to this, to this truth. All right, this is a double-edged sword. Amen. The word of God must pierce our heart and must divide the soul and the spirit. The, the intentions of our heart must be revealed in this brand new day. Or else we would have missed, listen to this, we would have missed an opportunity to return to the Lord. It says, it says, return to God, return to me and be saved. I'm afraid that we are, we, are, we are catching up with another phrase, another phraseology, another, you know, message that, 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 has, that has no cutting edge to, to pierce through our heart. 
what this generation need what this generation of christians need amen is 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 a message amen who can be likened to amen a sword taken out of fire that pierces through the heart yes there's going to be weeping. There's going to be screaming. There's going to be crying. But we need that cry and weeping to be awakened to the love we're talking about. Because when they hit you and you no longer feel the pain. When they slap you and it's like, then we should be afraid. Because it means that you're, you're dead. Are you getting the point? In a day where sin has become so casual, normal, we should be afraid. And I need us to be afraid. I want, I want the fear of God to return back to our life. I want us to be able to check ourselves. What am I doing? I can't do that. I can't. I can't. No, 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 no. I'm not allowed to do that. But in a day where they say, oh, no, 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 everybody does it. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. It's, not, it's normal. <laughs> Just eat the fruit. Come on. We should be scared. We should be scared of places that we go to that only gives us, you know, a feel, an excitement. But has no punch that we can feel. You see? Today, when you preach messages like this, this is not even hard. This is just, <laughs> you're like, what's, what's, his, what's his problem? People hate you for preaching like this. The Bible says in the, in, the, in the last day, people will develop itching ears and they will gather for themselves teachers that will teach them. They will gather. They are the one paying for themselves. <laughs> they say, come, man of God, come preach to us. We'll pay you. What, what, what's your price? He said, well, each night is 1,000. I said, no, no, we pay you 2,000. Tell us what we want to hear. <laughs> they don't mind. They don't, they've got, this is a church that is wealthy in terms of material thing. And you have you seen? We're wealthy. In a day where, you know, men of God, you know, they display their Rolex wristwatch, you know. Hallelujah. Praise God. God is good. They show the, the latest car they just bought. That's how they define the goodness of God. They show how they just open up another, you know, an, another, you know, branch somewhere in a, you know, God knows where. And everybody, yeah, praise God. I'm talking about the state of our church, the state of our life. We know how to, you know, when we, when we get into certain atmosphere, we, we know how to acclimatize. That's the word God dropped in my spirit this morning. A church that has known how to acclimatize. When you bring them into the apostolic community, they know how to acclimatize. They've got all the lingua. They've got all, the, they know, they know when to, hallelujah, praise God. They know when to scream, when not to scream. It's like we have become prostitute. You know, you pay a prostitute to get satisfied, you know. And the prostitute does whatever you want, you know, how to do, or him, you see, we know we know when the man of God we we know we know how to respond when a prophet is preaching. Say, wow, yes, yes, I receive prophet, I receive prophet, I receive prophet. We know all of those things when an apostle is preaching. We know how to behave. 
when when we're in the midst of you know certain group we know we, we have we have so acclimatized ourselves we are like chameleon we know the colors that suits the occasion we just blending we, we just blending whoever is in town amen we know how to blend it we can pay our our you know ourselves and go anywhere they say this apostle is coming from uk you know from united nations god knows where we know we know because our our idea of God is that He must bless me, and He's blessed you financially. He's blessed you, God. But, but, but still, He's far from you. At least, if you know He's far from you, that's still good. The danger is that we don't even know that He is far from us because we think He is blessing us. Is that not? The story of the children of Israel, God was blessing them for 40 years. The Bible says, amen, their shoe did not wither. Their cloak, amen, did not wear off. For 40 years, he was feeding them. He was blessing them. And they were gliding on that and say, yes, God is with us. He's far from them. In fact, he's ready to kill them. They're not aware of it. In fact, only two of the generation that came out of the land of bondage made it. Only two. I mean, this this scripture, this this phrase, this thing I'm sharing, changed my life as a pastor. When I realize that what matters, what what is what is heavy in the heart of God, it's not about the multitude just coming out. <laughs> it's about how they come in. When I realize that, I, I raise the bar in the church. I say, guys, no, 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 no. I'm seeing something in the scripture here. So it's not just, you know, Pharaoh let my people go. Yes, Pharaoh let my people go. But guys, this is the pattern of entering the land. They said, we refuse. It's okay. If you refuse, continue to live your life. So he gave them free life. They were living, but they were dying one by one. One by one. The Bible says, until all the fighting men of Israel died in the wilderness, no one entered the promised land. We still do not. You see, one of the issues that I am finding in the church is that we don't know who we don't know this God we're talking about. We we seem not to we have a little idea. <laughs> and we it seems we have run with that little idea of him. You see, somebody like me, that's why I can sit in my house like this. I can do what I'm doing. I'm not I'm not I'm not bothered. No. Somebody says, Oh, you sit with all this revelation. Let's let's build this big thing. Who, who says it's all about building big things? <laughs> who says? We're running fellowship here, we close it up. I close it up because if it's not working in the way God wants it to work, why running it? Why running it? Why doing it for doing sake? It's not about doing. There's a pattern. There is a way. There is a dimension of life that He wants. If you can't find it, are you gonna are you gonna cook it up? You can't give to God, Amen. What you don't have, neither can you give among yourself. Many things. When we get before the Father, the Lord would have told us, sorry, I never sent you to do that. I never called you to do that. If you can impart one life, if I can impart one life for God, my job is done. It's not about the size. Size has never been the issue to God. Check scripture. Oh, he used people to do great things. But it's not about the great things. It's about how big their heart is. And the size of their heart is connected to their proximity to God. 
if we judge if we judge you know success and and spiritual things you know by size we would have missed god long time and not even know it you see there is a value that must be running and driving our life that's why you, you see i'm not i'm not an you know a, a person that insists on starting no 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 if if god wants me to have it I'll have it. You've got to get to that level. You know, sometimes people think this guy is very passive. I'm not a passive person. <clears throat> but I understand that there is nothing. I can't even lift my hand without him. Think about it. He said, what do you have that you have not received? Why do you behave as if it was not a gift? <laughs> you can't build church by, you know, by, by your own ability and capacity. And, you know, somebody say, let's come together and build this thing. Say, okay, you've got a resource. Uh, come, let's come. No, no, it doesn't work like that. Don't build church, amen, because you've got rich people. You've got, no, 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 it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You can, you can build other things like that, but not the work of God. <laughs> Ministry starts and ends with the state of heart. When I talk about ministry, please be beyond the pulpit ministry and beyond that, your life ought to be ministry. Everything you're engaging. If you're running a business, you should run it as a ministry. You should be you should be found faithful, committed, and worthy. You must be a worthy steward in that thing that you're running. You're running a home, you should run it faithfully, committedly. I woke up this morning and the Lord was speaking to me about my daughter. Huh? The things I need to do for her. The things and what I need to begin to do. My, the condition of my presence in her life now. <clears throat> See, that's how God deals with me. So, so I, I, I have to ch change my narrative of, 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 you know, of leading my daughter. My daughter, not my son, my daughter. That's why I said, you see, if you, do, if you don't know that you're a priest in your household, the devil will come and do all kinds of things and you'll still be saying, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And not to say that there's anything wrong with my daughter, it's just the next phase the Lord is leading me into. That's all. <laughs> Lest you begin to think maybe something's wrong with my daughter. No, no, nothing's wrong with my daughter. I'm just saying that's the Lord comes to us in seasons and emphasizes things he wants us to do. All right? As it is in the natural, so it is in the spirit. Yes. This is what I was saying yesterday that all of you, many people connecting with us, I don't deal with us generally. No, I deal with us based on how we walk with God, how we ad advance, how we connect with the things of the Spirit. What is God doing? God is engaging our heart. If your heart is not engaging in the things of the Spirit, you cannot hear God. And that's what the devil wants. The devil wants us to continue. And just do things the way they, we've been told to do it. Just do it. Just do it that way. No, you cannot do it that way. You have to do it based on his leading. His leading. What is God leading you into? What is God saying? Listen to this. There are two things. There's two seasons in your life. Listen to this. There are two seasons in your life. The season of God leading you out of something. And the season, amen, that is leading you into something. God is either leading you out of something or leading you into something. Between that is the transition. God is leading you out of something or leading you into something. That is how it is. 
<laughs> You've got to understand. We, we need to, oh Lord help me. I, I, don't, I don't know how to, how to better communicate this. But I hope somebody will pick the spirit of what I'm, because you see sometimes what can bring offense. You, you, you will miss the spirit of what God is saying. If you allow the word that I'm speaking to bring offense to your heart and you don't pick the spirit, you will miss your season and you will spend another, an, uh, another, another, another decade, you know, with, with, with the people who are confused and don't know where they're going. You know, when I came to this nation, what, the first thing the Lord showed me as, as he began to interact with me is, oh Lord, the idea, the picture that I, that I have about South Africa is totally different. When you look at things from afar, you can have a very wrong view. And you can come to a wrong conclusion. But as they bring you closer and you begin to have close, you know, relationship, you begin to see things differently. You say, wow. And the Lord said, you see, all of, the, all of your preparation, it cannot work now. Keep it. Now start from this point. We have to understand what God is about. It's not about crowd. <laughs> God send you. God can send you to a nation to reach one person, to reach two people, and every other person may not understand. It's not their duty to understand. It's for you to carry out God's intention and let God do what He needs to do. If they have an open ears, they will hear. God will speak to them. But if they don't want to hear, then that's their own business. They can conclude. You see, when you live your life in the shadow of people's opinion, you will never, never fulfill God's intention for your life. Because you would be playing the same card that Adam played in the garden. He listened to <laughs> what he should not have listened to. He listened to a woman he should not have listened to. He listened to amen, a woman that he ought to have amen, instructed. He shouldn't have... That doesn't mean that Adam should not love or respect his wife. But Adam should have said, no, what? This is, <laughs> this is, this is a no-go area. We know what God said about this thing. Are you getting the point that I'm making? This is the voice of the prophetic. If you ever think the voice of the prophetic is going to be suddenly, it's going to, you know, you know, just come and compliment and make you feel good. Ah, sorry, somebody lied to you. This voice is going to come with a hot iron. It will pierce through your spirit and your soul. Because that's what God wants to do. That's why a prophet is not an apostle. An apostle is not a teacher. A teacher is not a pastor. It's not a shepherd. Let a prophet do his job. Church, release the prophets to do their job. Stop holding them back. Stop tying their hands. Stop threatening them. If you don't do what we do, what we want you to do, we will not support you. We will not give to you. Hold your gift and your support, but let them speak as the oracle of God so the church can be awakened and move to the next season of God. That's a word for you. That's a word for the body. I just sense, I felt a holy indignation in my spirit as I'm proclaiming that word. The zeal and fire 
and the passion of God must return to the church. Oh, this may cause a fallout, but I rather stand with God than to stand on the side of men. We will not advance into the next season of God if we don't address this thing. If something in you does not wake up via the spirit, amen, of plowing the ground of your heart, you will not receive the seed for the next season. Every season has its own seed to be planted. But if you don't break the fallow ground of your heart, of your home, of your church, I'm sorry. They will not waste the seed. Because heaven is not going to sow anything there. We're reading Jeremiah 4, 3 and 4. For this is what the Lord says to the men of Judah and Jerusalem. Break. They must do the breaking. It's not God that does the breaking. If you're waiting for God to break you, he will crush you. So you fall on the rock. Don't wait for the rock to fall on you. If the rock fall on you, it's too late. <laughs> they say you'll be grinded to powder. But when the, when the rock falls on us, guess what? The life of God will begin to flow. You see, the reason for, the, for us falling on the rock is... To, you know, to crack those areas that have become so rigid and tough. They want to crack it open. Like I said, when, when, when you have a scar, all right, <laughs> that has become dead in the cell, has become dead in, you no longer have a feel. And you can use that sense of not feeling anything to cause danger to yourself and to people around you. When you look at those men who are working, all right, in the you know in the construction, you know, uh, you know, business, going to construction, those laborers, just you want to have a feel of their hand. You don't, you don't want those people to raise their hand on you. Because the the, the, the chemicals in the in the in the you know you know in, in the cement and all and all the granites and you know and and the you know uh, what do you call it now that is in, you know that is in the rock, as. You know, with season dead in their cell, the cell of their palm is, is as hard as a rock. That's what I'm trying to say. I used to have a guy who walks for me, you know, back in those days, late now, you know. I remember one day, something happened to this guy and he had an injury. You know, like something pierced his hand. He just, he just, he just pulled the thing off. I could see blood. He, this guy said, no, pastor, I don't feel it. I don't feel anything. And I mean, and I shivered. He's like the, 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 the cell in his palm, they are all dead in his, his hand. His hand is as, is, as, is as hard as a rock. That's the state of the church. We have no feelings. The things of God never moves us again. Oh, come on. Alright, it's fine. This might not be for you, but for somebody that needs to hear this. So you, you can just carry on, you know, just go about your day. Let those who need to hear this hear this. We have to go back to the Lord again. We need to we need to have a feel for him, a feel for his heart. 
when we have a field for his heart, we'll have a field for his, his, his field. We'll have a field. You know how many times you walk past people who needed to hear something from you. But they can't hear it because you don't have a, you don't have a feel for God. How, so how can you have a feel for somebody who needs to hear a word of encouragement? You know, because you're all full of yourself. Everything that is focused about you is around you. So even when they're pointing you to, that person needs your word. It needs an encouragement. It needs a hug. That person needs, you know, to be encouraged. That person needs to be strengthened. Or that person needs a rebuke. No, 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 no. Because you feel if you rebuke the person, no, 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 no. The person is not going to be happy with you again because it's all about me. No, that person is going to be, it's not going to be happy with me. That person will think, no, no, no. Because if, you see, if you want to develop a prophetic life or the nature of God and walk in love, if you cannot focus, you cannot focus the things of God about you. God sent you. You're a sent one. But you don't just go sent and deliver. No, you also need to have a feel of the heart of God, even in your sense of delivery. When the Lord asks you to, to smite and to strike a person and you refuse to do it, the lion will be waiting to eat you up. <laughs> See, we need to bring back the order, the pattern, the ways of God. We've lost it. The church have lost it. The, the corona has also helped us to see how far we are falling. But this is what the Lord says to the men of Judah and Jerusalem. Break up your unplowed ground, your fallow ground, and do not sow. Do not sow. Don't sow among thorns. Why would you want to sow among thorns? But let me go to where I'm going. It says circumcise yourself to the Lord. Circumcise yourself to the Lord. Remove the false kings of your hearts. Remove the false kings of your heart. O men of Judah and people of Jerusalem, otherwise my wrath will break out like fire and burn with no one to extinguish it because of your evil deeds. This is a message to the people of God. Saint by prophet Jeremiah. <laughs> These are part of the warning that God was giving them before he finally led them to Babylon. And you see, the issue was the issue of their heart. It says, circumcise your heart. Remove the foreskin of your heart. The, the foreskin is that outer skin that have become hardened, tough, tough. We talk tough. <laughs> we have no feelings again. Pardon me again. Let me use the because I cannot stop but to use the. You see, that's why they call it the the Harlot's Church. A brother wrote a book years ago, The Harlot's Church. In fact, I think I've got it in one of my materials somewhere. I can share it with us if you want to read it. 
And Harlot's church will give you a sense of pleasure. Will give you a sense of belonging. Will give you a sense of identity. Will even help you to, to get wealthy. You get rich. The Harlot's church is a rich church. Will give you a sense of community. Even if you live there feeling lonely. But when you come there, ah, it's jolly jolly. You know, good music is there. The latest Christian gospels are there. The Harlot's church. They know how to send out food parcels in times of lockdown. <laughs> if you ever think showing care is enough to define a good church, sorry, you missed it. And of course, lack of care in the true church is an error. We cannot reduce good works to God's approval. It cannot be. What are you hearing? If, um, if, if, you are, if you are in a place and you are not being challenged, your flesh is not being buffeted. They're not making demand on your sin nature to change. <laughs> and they're patting your back because every month you give the church 5,000, 7,000. 10,000. God, God knows what. You're close to them. And in your closeness, the man of God cannot look straight into your eyes and say, wait a minute, something is not right here. You need to change. You need to repent. You need to align. You need to do what is right. But all they're talking about is, you know, the next seminar on how you can move up the ladder. <laughs> but you're not ascending. The Hallows Church is divisive. Well, we talk about unity, but we, we're full of jealousy, we're full of gossip, we're full of perversion. We use each other's gift and use each other's grace. When they're done with you, they discard you. The Harlot's Church. The Harlot's Church is driven on the spirit of Mammon. They've lost a sense of the love of God and the, and the love for, for, for the things of God. But they talk love. They talk love. They talk about love. But this love, if you scrutinize it, is not love. It's something else. Circumcise your heart to the Lord. Remove the false kings of your hearts. All men of Judah and people of Jerusalem. Otherwise, otherwise, imagine, Jer of course, in fact, in back in those days when Jeremiah was given this, this word, they hated him for it. They despise him for saying these things. The king locked him up. Nobody wants to hear things like this. Like I can imagine some of you saying, what kind of... It's not for you. You don't have to. Leave. This is for those who feel tired and weak but need God in their life. And this is what God is saying. This is the way out. 
if we want to be a church that will bring forth the glory of God to this generation, his love must return to our hearts. So that whatever we do for God is carried out because of the love we have for him. Not because we want to be rewarded. You see. You, you can, you can, we, we can preach a message that motivates us to serve God so we can be rewarded. Isn't that what we preach today in the church? So everything we do is because we need to get something from God. That's the message of the Halos Church. If all you're doing for God is because of something you want to get from God, then you don't know love. Because love's agenda is not, let me do X, Y, Z so that I can get, you know, <laughs> something. No. You do because you love, period. And whatever the person reciprocate. You see, in true love, there's always a reciprocation. And you really do not know how that person will reciprocate back to you. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. So you don't preempt what you should be expecting. This is what I'm saying. Some of us, we're praying to God for X, Y, Z. We don't even know if indeed that is what we truly need. You see, that woman was coming to the well because she taught she needed to get something. But when she collided with Christ, they showed her a true need. You see, this is, the, this is the point that I'm making. Many of us don't even know what we need. If, if only I can just get this one. If only I can just get that. If only I can just get married. If only I can just get a wife. If only I can just get a husband. If I can only just have a son. If only I can just get that promotion. If I can just get that money. If, I, if, 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 if only, if only, if only. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. God knows your heart. But first of all, your heart must chase him. You must be a God chaser. I'm emphasizing these because I know the church has lost a love for God. Maybe you love God. Then I'm not talking about you. So just bear us, all right, the time to talk about this, at least for those who need to hear this. So, yesterday we dealt with, we dealt with, you know, you know uh, John 20, and we looked at this woman, I mean, amazing woman, by the name Mary Magdalene. And I thought, she did something there that might just be the key to awaken us. Remember, when we looked at the scripture yesterday, I, I want to go back to verse 12 and 13. The Bible says, And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had laid, one at the head and the other at the feet. Woman, why are you weeping? <laughs> That's, that's, that's an important, at least the fact that she's awoken. She's weeping. Did you notice the Bible never said that Peter was weeping? The Bible never said that um, 
the other apostle was whipping. Or the disciple were whipping. No, no, is it that they don't have I believe they have they, they, they love the Lord. Their love is not just as dramatic, you know, as that of Mary Magdalene. I, I hope you understand that whipping is not a definition that you love, but it's an expression of what is in your heart. People can whip for, for various reasons. In fact, you can you can whip because you don't want you know certain things to be known, to be heard, or you know, or you feel ashamed. You, you, we can whip for. I can tell you. I mean, I I did a little bit of psychology. You know, you, you can, we can whip for various reasons. We can whip because we 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 reach an ecstasy. Have you seen back in those days where Michael Jackson, you know, sings? Have, did you see the way those people, you know? Women, young people, they weep, they cry. <laughs> Weeping can be, amen, the fact that we have hit, you know, th that, that crescendo of, you know, of, 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 the, of, the, of the expression of emotion. Emotion can be, can, can reflect so many things. Somebody can be weeping and be pulling the trigger to kill, but the person is weeping. <laughs> Boom! You kill. Why weeping? So, just looking at weeping alone is not enough to conclude that, oh, she's weeping because she loved the Lord. No, you can weep because you're turning away from the Lord. I hate to say goodbye. <laughs> I remember those songs. You know, they're singing, I hate to say goodbye, but he's weeping, but you're saying goodbye, but you're leaving, but you're weeping. So weeping itself is not is not the final picture that you're doing what is right. You can weep for the wrong reason. That was the point. Oh, and I know back back in those days, I know when I was a pastor. Oh Lord, help me with those ladies. They're quick to weep. And of course, you know when people start weeping, you that you want to you know maybe maybe rebuke them, correct them. You. Feel you feel like, oh Lord, what, what, what else can I say? After all, you can see the woman is weeping. But I learned in a hard way. I will give you the handkerchief, clean your face, but I'll still tell you the truth. But this is a weeping that points deep into the heart. First of all, she woke up in the morning. Thirdly, she would not allow these two guys who just appear from nowhere, you know, because oh, I guess to some of us today, I mean, you, you go look for the Lord. He's not there. Two angels appear. You will forget about the Lord. You will start another ministry, amen, of angel appearance. Angelic appearance ministry. Have you noticed that this was nothing to, to Mary Magdalene? She does not even bother where the people appear for. Excuse me, where have you taken my Lord to? Oh, you don't think that is a, that's a big issue? That is a major issue. To a church today that have, that have made you know, signs and wonder a major in the church. <laughs> to the point that a man of God says... <laughs> He's coming down. He's levitating. He's coming down from the air. And they, they capture that on a selfie. 
a church that is that is so super you know superstitious and easily moved by you know by little things that people call signs and wonder a church that you can be you can deceive them by you know by ipad you can use graphics you, you can use you know a, 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 a adobe photoshop to deceive the church we run today oh god help me god help us little little chemical reaction can be defined to be miracle A church where people can go to Jerusalem and they say, hey, this, this, this water was from River Jordan. <laughs> this, this, this is where Jesus baptized. Excuse me. <laughs> and they bring that water, you know, bottle it and start selling it. And say, this water is from River Jordan. If you drink it, all your sins are gone. When I prayed in River Jordan, the man went to River Jordan. He said, when I prayed, God spoke to me and said, to as many that drink this water, they will be healed. So he went to Jerusalem. He brought the water back to, to South Africa. And, and he started, you know, water selling ministry. Ah, God help us. We are so easily moved by cheap things. Cheap things we call the Bible says miracle is the children's bread. You know, every day in my house, almost like it's a normal thing. You eat bread. I guess that's what goes on with almost every home. <laughs> I love bread. My children love bread. My wife don't love bread. I understand, but I love bread. <laughs> miracle is the children's bread. I'm just helping you to understand. Two guys appeared in the same place that, you know, Peter and the other disciple just left. They left. Martha remained. And while she's still, you know, in fact, she was outside. She came inside after they left. You know, these are the, these are the ministers, the bishops and the apostles. After they left, <laughs> it reminds me of Joshua. After Moses leaves, you know, the, the, the tent of meeting, after Moses leaves, the Bible says that Joshua will remain, will remain there. He wants to understand. He wants to get, you know, deeper into that thing that Moses touched. Joshua, this is how Joshua amen, became the successor. He was passionate about this God that appears to Moses, that speaks to him. He, he waits to listen to. He wants to hear Joshua. Nobody invited him. He invited himself. And you know what? God never sent him away. It's your heart. How far do you want to go? So, these two guys have gone. Here's Mary Magdalene. She finally had the opportunity to enter the tomb. <laughs> it's not like there are three doors to the tomb. It's just one door. She entered. And she's weeping because, of course, she can realize, she see that it's gone. While she's weeping, the scripture says two guys appeared. Wow. If it's in our day, it will be all over the news. And the, the main reason that took you there, you would have forgotten that you went there looking for Jesus Christ. After two guys appeared, <laughs> come on, let's forget that ministry. This is, this is a place to build. Like, like Peter would say, let's build tents. You know, let's build tabernacle here, one for you. <laughs> come on. But 
not not Mary Magdalene. There's something about the heart of that woman that is speaking to the present day church. I'm taking my time, as you can see. We'll continue whenever we continue again. <laughs> I'm not in a hurry about this thing. We cannot be in a hurry. This is not just another message. No, 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 no. In fact, we can stop here. You can carry on with your day because we've said enough for you to meditate on. We've said enough for you amen, to, to think through as you go through your day. Oh, God will prosper you. God will bless you. But he wants to take you to a place beyond prosperity. He wants to bring us to a place beyond blessing. He wants us to have an encounter. Uh, he wants us to come to a place, a reality, a realm where no mortal man can dare come except they've been crucified. Except they put in all. They've laid all down on the altar. And their life has become a smoke rising unto God. Think about this. If you and I don't get prepared for this thing, if we don't receive this message, the next generation is doomed. Because already the gospel that they will be awakening to is already watered down. What kind of a gospel will your children grow up to know? To preach. What kind of a zeal? What, what would they even know about the zeal of God? If nobody's showing the zeal. If nobody's displaying the glory and the grandeur. The power of God. I want my children to know these things. Don't you think so? I want the next generation to be aware. It was Gideon he said. Where are those things that our father told us? About this God. It was a challenge for Gideon. To accept the call of God. Gideon's life is just like our day. It's just like. I mean he was called. in Just like in our day where. The people of God have, have thrown the tower. Everybody has gone doing their own thing. Back in those days. Everybody had their own God. In fact Gideon's father. <laughs> you know. He was an idol worshiper. That was how bad things were. And the Lord began to engage Gideon. Gideon began to challenge. There are things we've been told about, but we never see those things again. The Bible says, and there, and there was a time that, you know, Israel had lost the sense of the true God. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It's going to take more than just an apostolic, prophetic, reformational message. To wake the church in this season. Oh you don't have to believe me. I'm just. A vessel. Carrying out a message. That I've been given. But it's going to take more than. When I look at how. Ah, God have mercy on us. God have mercy on us. But I, I have hope. I have hope. I have hope. You know why I have hope? Because I know that he's not just speaking to my heart alone. I know that he's speaking to so many people out there. 
I know how it is to look at the things of God and don't care and just walk away. I know how to feel. And I know how it, it feels to focus on the wrong thing just because of need. But I've come to accept my, 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 my lots, my, my call, my passion, my, my walk with God. I don't have to be another God knows who out there. I just want to be Isaiah Phillips. A servant of God, a friend of God, and a lover of the body of Christ. And that is enough for me. And I know somebody somewhere will be awakened by this message because that is my heart, that's my desire, that's my prayer. I believe that. And I hope that it will be you. But let this word continue to haunt us wherever we go. Let this word continue to challenge us. Woman, why are you weeping? They asked. Because they have taken my Lord away. She said, and I do not know where they have put him. What a passion. What a zeal. What a love. Love must return back to the pulpits. Love must return back to the pews. Love must return back to the choir. Must return back to the intercessors. Love must return back to the heart of the apostle, the prophet, the, the pastor, the evangelist, the teachers. Love must return back to the body. Love is the spirit of God at work in the heart of his people to do his bidding. Whatever we do without the love of God in our life is a waste. Thank you so much everyone this morning for once again being part of this live broadcast. Please, as you go about your day uh, activity, pray these things into your heart, into your life. Let this word guide your, your day. You know, exam the Bible says examine yourself if you still have faith. But examine yourself if the love of God is still there. Love for God. Love for God equals love for the people of God and for the things of God. But love for the things of God and love for the people of God does not equal the love for God. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Love for God equals the love for the things of God and the love for the people of God. But the love for the things of God and the people of God does not equal the love for God. Let us sink in. Have yourself a wonderful day. God bless you all. Love you all. Bye-bye.